Welcome to Joy Fueled and Jesus Led. I'm your host, Tony Daniels, sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional, spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. Last week, we began a new series on resourcing the relational revolution, where you heard a little about the different people and organizations that have been fueling the value shifts that are helping people rediscover church as healthy heart-to-heart connection. Today, we have the honor of hearing from one of the thought fathers behind this relational revolution, Dr. Jim Wilder. Dr. Wilder, founder of Life Model Works, has co-authored many books, including his latest, Escaping Enemy Mode, written with Ray Woolridge. In this episode, we check in and listen to God together, following God's lead into a discussion about how elevating your own status actually triggers enemy mode in others. Dr. Wilder answers questions such as, is competitive thinking automatically enemy mode? And what would be different if we could form healthy attachment with our enemies? This was a deeply challenging and encouraging time with Dr. Wilder, and we appreciate how he resources this revolution. Hope you enjoy. So Tony here, and today I am with Dr. Jim Wilder, and it is a deep Deep honor. So, Dr. Wilder, thank you so much for being here with me today. Say, it's good to start the day with you, Tony. Thanks. So, I recommended that we um, check in first, share how we're feeling a little bit, and then do some quieting or what we in Luke 10 like to call listening. Because when we quiet, we also try to tune into Jesus a little bit and where he is and what he's thinking and what he'd like us to to know today about being together um, or even what. Jesus, God would like us to talk about today, because I know I've got agenda items on my list, or you might have things you want to say too. And um, a lot of times I, God derails all that when we quiet and he brings up something else totally that he wants us to talk about together. So it's very spontaneous and not everyone likes to play, but uh, Jim, I know you're a guy who kind of likes to play sometimes. <laughs> At oh, least yes. I've seen you in mm-hmm. action. So <laughs> I think you can roll with this today. And I'm so delighted to be with you. So Let's jump in with a check-in then. Um, and when we check in, we just mean sharing our feelings in about two minutes so that we don't overwhelm people with too much of what we're feeling. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes that actually requires us to take a deep breath and just think about what we're feeling. Because a lot of times when I get to this moment in the day, I've been running, doing carpool and cooking and all these task-oriented things. And so I might not even be relational. So let's just take 30 seconds to take a deep breath and check in with ourselves because you're pretty skilled. And I've been practicing this for 15 years. So hopefully I can do this in a minute too, and just check in with how we're feeling. And then um, we'll launch in if that sounds okay. Yes. Sounds great. All right. Okay. I will check in as excited, honored, nervous. I think those are probably the big three. So I am excited um, because I, 
I just love <laughs> being able to be with you today and hear um, just from you what you have been processing through specifically the writing of Escaping Enemy Mode, because that is really what preempted this interview. Uh, so just super excited about being with you today. So thank you so much for doing that. I'm honored, feeling honor because I don't, and this is one of my questions I might have later, but I don't know how you see yourself at all. Um, but my husband, I definitely see you as the father of the relational movement that is happening globally right now in the church. One of the fathers, not the father, but one of them that yeah, God. A, God's working lots of places. He is mm -hmm. working in so mm -hmm. many places. And, um, and you've just happened upon his story when you did <laughs> with the giftings mm -hmm. that you have. And the community that you've had, and God has just done amazing things to to really um, anoint what you're doing in the world today. And I know that's humbling probably, but that's one of my questions. I'll save that for later. But I'm honored right. to be with you um, and to have known you all these years and to have been able to glean and learn. Um, so that this is a deep honor. Um, that makes me want to cry. So I'm going to breathe again. All right. And then um, I feel nervous mainly because of the weightiness of the um, topics that you deal with in your books and that we are all seeking to live into and practice. I feel um, it has definitely changed my entire trajectory of my life. And I think every one of us can say that, um, you mm -hmm. included, and oh, yeah. um, <laughs> we can all say that God, God, and, and these discoveries of how to be um, more like his people, more like him, in a relational brain sort of way has, has really changed all of our trajectories in our, in our life. So it's a very weighty conversation. And, and I'm, that makes me nervous because I like to get it right in life. And so mm -hmm. acknowledging that makes me smile and go, oh, I love that you like to get it right. And we're just going to let that go and, and um, let God deal with the weightiness of what, <laughs> mm -hmm. what this is. So that's me. I'm in. All okay. right. Well, I'm feeling a little disoriented, uh, a little overwhelmed, and peaceful altogether. Um, it's sort of uh, like when you're looking into a whole uh, great big landscape, you know, and it's like, well, what should I focus on and what should I pay attention to? And uh, there's more going on here that meets the eye. And... Um, you know, whenever I, I get to this boundary of of the the spiritual world, you know, what is God doing and, and where is he taking all of this? It's like, uh, you know, looking out into something vast and just hoping I can recognize something. And so, um, and, and then knowing that this is a, a conversation that I'm going to have with you that, uh, you know, God's going to take in, in some directions. You sent me a few questions you might ask uh, here. And the, the third question, I was trying to, how am I supposed to answer that one? And then it occurred to me, oh, this question, which was, you know, is there anything that's on your heart you still want to say is like, let's listen to God and see what else he's talking about right now. Not something that you can prepare ahead of time. And I thought, oh, well, that's stepping right off on the edge there and catching flight. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of where I'm in and, uh, it's a nice place to be. Wow. And you said overwhelmed, is that part yeah. of all of that? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. When you're dealing with a mind as much bigger than yours as God is, mind is bigger than mine. Uh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> can I make any sense of this at all? You know, it is, it's, it is overwhelming. And, uh, the, you know, I think it's the overwhelming the direction that we call awe as, as opposed to awful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And then you said peaceful. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause God has me here. It's like, you know, well, okay. He's in charge. He's, he's got this, this thing going for him and I have no idea how to manage it, but, um, you know, uh, it's sort of like not my problem. So uh, it isn't like I've gotten here by disobeying what God wants to do, you know? So that's why there's this peaceful sense about it. Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. I appreciate that. Well, let's just take, um, I would say two minutes and just check in um, with God and ask, is there anything else you want us to, how do you feel about us today? I, I just love asking him that question. How does mm -hmm. he feel about us and this conversation and anything and everything? And, um, and then anything he wants us to talk about or know uh, no, and then talk about. So that's a lot in two minutes. We might need three. If you need three, just like give me a thumbs up when the two minute goes off and we'll keep listening. Does that sound All okay? Right. That All right. Works. I'm going to mute myself and go off video because I can see Jim and go off video. And that just gives us some privacy to do some listening. And I'll come back in two minutes. And if we need a thumbs up, we'll have another minute. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. See you in three, two. See you in two. All right. We're yes, good. here we are. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I'll jump in and go first. Um, I, you know, I never know if this is really God or not, or if it's just my own thoughts. Um, well, that's so... the mutual mind problem in the brain right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. So I'll share and share kind of how feelings might have shifted or how it felt in me. Mm -hmm. um, and we can weigh together whether it might have been God or not. But um, I just sensed I'm so delighted in my children. Um, and even in that, I obviously sense that I'm a lot younger than you and it, it, this intergenerational piece too. Like he was like, we're both his children, but mm -hmm. he also recognizes that there's an intergenerational thing that he kind of likes that too. <laughs> no. mm -hmm. um, I've seen your journeys, both of you. And I led Matt and you, speaking to me, yeah. um, to Dr. Wilder, to Chris and Jen, and to Ed and Maritza, and, and this whole thing that's happening globally. Um, it was no accident. And then I sensed him addressing both of us. Thank you both for paying attention to me in your life. And thank you both for paying attention and receiving me and following me. It is a delight. So that made me want to just cry mm -hmm. and just sit here a little longer and receive. Oh, yes. That. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, and then I asked, you know, is there anything you want to know about what to talk about today? And he said, you will know when it is time. So, <laughs> all right. Well, on my end, uh, I immediately saw a picture, uh, sort of like looking down from above on God. And he was walking through the woods and he had two dogs besides him. And they were, you know, large dogs and, I couldn't, uh, I felt like they were you and I, uh, you know, I didn't see leashes. We were just walking together. And that, that sense that, you know, when you're just out walking with your dogs, uh, and just enjoying looking at the world and, you know, uh, that this was, this was his sense. It's like, okay, we're walking. 
you know, you used the word following him, but it was walking beside him was the picture that I had. And there was a, just mm. a, that, that contentedness that comes in that kind of walking together kind of a place. Um, and <clears throat> so, um, felt very, 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 God's contentment was really is what I was feeling. And then, um, I had a, um, uh, thought about, um, status, uh, come into my mind though, I should talk, uh, some things about what I've been reading and thinking lately about status and a particular Bible verse that just popped into my mind uh, before we actually even got on this call. So great. Well, mm -hmm. I love it when he gives one of us guidance on how to move forward. That's yeah. <laughs> this is, it's encouraging when you're uh, on a broadcast kind of a situation like this. <clears throat> That's It'd be pretty awkward if we were sitting here going, well, we don't really know what to talk about today. <laughs> I guess we'll just sit here and look at each other and the microphones. <laughs> no, but he said, uh, <clears throat> it was um, a verse that, and I'll just jump into that since it's on my mind, Go for it. of um, to regard others as better than yourselves. And the English translation of that um, uh has been lost, I think, on most of us, because what we would think about and modern people is someone better than ourselves. Uh, you know, are they faster? Are they smarter? Are they whatever else? But uh, your betters, as was the expression in the old English, are people of higher status. And so we are supposed to treat everyone as though their status were higher than ours. Um, and uh, actually, Having someone lower your status is the probably number one trigger for enemy mode. Uh, and so having people raise your status is um, very uh, sort of anti-enemy mode kind of a, kind of a, of a response. And But the passage goes on, this is in Philippians, um, to say, so Jesus being in the form of God did not consider his status something to hold on to but he lowered himself um, down to human status in order to raise our status and for that reason god gave him a name above every other name which is the highest status that you can have right and so here's the paradox of, of raising other people's status by giving raising their status we actually have to possess status ourselves you can only give what you have. Wow. Wow. And so Jesus, knowing that his status was, you know, sort of modern terms, bulletproof, highest status you could have, mm -hmm. had no hesitation at all about raising the status of others and treating them as though they were his betters, as it were, his, his higher, higher status people. So um, if we were to go about... <clears throat> being like him then which i think is the desirable part uh, we would have a fair amount of joy in raising the status of others you know raising the the status of the of the poor of the uh, you know whoever it is that's uh, disenfranchised um uh, and you know in in uh, many ways um 
I could even look at the ministry of Luke 10 that you're involved with as raising the status of the people that have become disenfranchised with the church. Mm-hmm. Like, no, what your complaints are, are something valid. And so there's, you, you do see a problem and we need to take you seriously. And just because you can't, you know, fit into the church environment the way it's been uh, designed, mm-hmm. um, you know, doesn't mean that you are, um, not to be listened to or, or unimportant. And the flip side of that is, you know, I'm getting back to the enemy mode book, that most of the churches that are driving people out the doors are churches that are seeking status. They're raising their own status. Mm-hmm. That is my my observation and Ray's observation. And yeah. that in fact, uh, there's, uh, you know, mm. people tend to select a pastor who they think will raise the status of their church. Yeah. So we put status raisers in charge, and then we wonder why it is that um, it doesn't work as far as Christianity goes. Because, you know, the basic yeah. thing is we have such good status that we should be raising everyone else's. And, uh, wow. uh, you know, that goes back to the, you know, the question you hinted at at the beginning of the, uh, you know, of the call, you know, well, what you know, what do I think about myself and what God's doing in my life and mm. things like that. They're, they seem related, but I'll toss it back to you to see what you're thinking. Thank you. The The thought that comes into my mind immediately is um, a question I'm hearing, and I don't know if it's my thoughts or if it's I'm hearing on behalf of other people that might be asking this or what, but it's well, where does competition fit in? I mean, it's a it's a strength on strength finders, right? That there's this competition. So mm-hmm. how does competition fit in in a world that you're describing? And is competitive thinking automatically enemy mode? Uh, no, it's first of all, we'll start with that one. Competitive thinking isn't enemy mode um, because the desire of enemy mode is to help uh or make sure the other person loses. So you can actually enter into competitive thinking two different ways. One is I'm going to compete with you to make sure you lose. And the other is I'm going to compete with you in order that we both do our best. Wow. So wow. Uh, we, we interviewed. That's possible? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, here's an interesting thing. So we, we interviewed uh, these two uh, um, volleyball coaches uh, that, uh, that we talk about in the book and they were playing against a team that was, um, uh, very, very competitive and a bit nasty. I might even add, uh, you know, they really, mm-hmm. uh, uh, would, you know, make a big deal out of every time the, uh, their competitors lost. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, what are we supposed to do when they, you know, spike the ball or, you know, whatever it is, you know, and win a point. And uh, their coaches said, well, you know, you're actually, this is a college team. You're actually on college team uh, to celebrate everything that's good. So, you know, if you went to an art museum and go, oh, that person painted better than I did. I hate that painting. That wouldn't make any sense at all. You go, wow, that's a great painting. So what we're going to do is we're going to cheer every really good play that the other team makes as well as our own. 
Wow. And so very, very competitive. And they did win, by the way, the, you know, but they cheered both sides like, wow, that was a great play. Yeah. Well, you know, and we cheered our own great plays. So it -hmm. is possible even in competitive sports to be that way. Wow. And with the goal of, of we're going to bring out the best in all of us. Yeah. That's incredibly beautiful, Jim. And um, this gets back to the book, but there's so much more I want to talk about on that rabbit trail in the Christian world. Um, But I do want to, I'm wondering if I should keep on the Christian world or go to the book. Let's go to the book just briefly. And then we might circle back around to um, where we see the church today and Christian movement. Um, But first of all, I just want to say it's, it, it just gets better and better <laughs> every time y'all release a book. And I say y'all meaning the collective because you right. write with many authors now. I always um, do if I can. Yes. Yes. And it, it, they just get better and better and better. And, um, so many ways to say almost the same thing you've been saying from the very beginning of time mm-hmm. since you've started. Yeah. So, but more applications and this book in particular seems uniquely different to me in that it really seems like you're breaking out of the, the Christian audience altogether and you're hitting mm-hmm. the masses, um, politicians, um, p- military, um, police, like anyone in helping agencies or industries. And mm-hmm. it just seems like you're taking this to a different level. Can you just tell me a little bit about that, um, how that decision was made? And I'm sure it was very intentional. Yeah. Uh, well, it was made in, in, I think, two different ways. Um, one was, I have a really passionate desire for Christians to make a difference in the world they're living in. And it, it, the most remarkable thing about Christians is that we're form, supposed to form attachments to people who think they're our enemies. And uh, Dallas, always, Will, Dallas Willard always used how well we love our enemies as the benchmark of how our Christian maturity was doing. And then it occurred to me afterwards that it's also the place where we should do our workouts. You don't get better at loving your enemies unless you're actually working at it. It's you kind of wait around doing whatever you do and hope that one day it'll result in loving your enemies. It doesn't seem to work out that way. (laughs) And both of us having lived in countries where Christians were not popular at some point or another, we know that if you live in a place where Christians aren't popular, you have to practice loving your enemies. And that's, in fact, when your community does that, you get better at it. So part of it was, okay, I think we need to do that. And if so, we have to start the conversation of where would it change if we started forming attachments with our enemies? What what kind of things would be different? And right then, of course, the, the uh, a number of uh, uh, police... Uh, killings and brutality things and racial overtones and all those uh, kinds of issues were in the public mind and said well you know you look at the these every time people are getting outraged there's an enemy mode involved you know we've got these shootings uh, in schools and all of that you know well we've got another clear case of enemy mode so does christianity have an answer to that if so we ought to speak up right about now But the flip side is that Christianity is also being increasingly viewed as uh, hateful. And it's not because we don't have some Christians uh, that are talking pretty hatefully as well. But the science says hate does not come from beliefs. 
Uh, hate comes from something deeper in the brain. Uh, they don't know what in most of the books, but they, they can prove quite nicely by social science that beliefs are not producing hate. Beliefs are something that hateful people use to find each other. Hmm. And so if I broadcast my beliefs, um, you know, uh, I'm going to gather people that have uh, similar interests to mine. But, the, you know, the idea is, is Christianity per se the source of hate in the world, or is it the source of attachments with people who would otherwise hate? Hmm. And to me, this is a very key sort of social issue right now. And unless Christians can begin to respond in a different way, just having Christian views about things will automatically be seen as hateful, yeah. which isn't the way the brain works. But, uh, you know, so I, I thought we got to speak up in the public forum and say, here's how hate works mm -hmm. as little as much as we know about it. Wow. And here is why um, we could actually uh, get out of enemy mode and and do something different there there's a path forward um so i think it's a very interesting discussion to be in the middle of yeah yeah and that's kind of where i i put the church um some people know wow. what i mean by a, a shame statement you know it's a healthy shame statement is you are not this you are actually that and in one way the book poses itself as a healthy shame message to the church saying you know you are not acting like yourselves in the world and here's what it would be like you to do. And here's how it can actually be done. Uh, yeah. And then we'll see what happens. Wow. So that was powerful. And as I read it, I also thought it was brilliant um, and, and Ray's participation in this uh, with you um, obviously lends tons of credibility to um, military and all of that whole side of, of um, the world <laughs> that would come at this more from that perspective. And then you, of course, bringing in the, the scientific and the psychological perspective. It was a beautiful um, blending, I think. And you two both being vulnerable and sharing your own questions and struggles and how you went about that search. So just incredibly mm -hmm. well written and thank you for writing this and the work that i cannot even imagine went into this well it was an enormous amount of work and uh it was just fascinating for us going into it because we we got the contract to write the book uh, which you have to do for most books anymore uh you can't just write what's interesting to you and ray wasn't sure that um escaping enemy mode was a good idea when we started and so he was like oh no goodness. i think you need enemy mode because you know i'm military and you know there's sometimes you just have to be you know uh, wow. you know get your enemies and squash them yeah. uh, and so he was a long ways from convinced and i had not figured out the brain science so it's like there must be brain science here but i you know I had to read thousands and thousands of pages while writing the book to try to figure it out so uh, you Which know, I'm really, sure you enjoyed, but <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, I love Knowing doing that you. sort of thing. True, yes, uh huh. Like you know, uh, and every once in a while, it was funny how things would pop up on my news feed, and it's like this is what I've been looking for, um, mm -hmm. as like God was helping me write the book. But Ray and I were actually working it out. Can you actually do this? And and then his side was. You know, he's got all these high-powered friends and government and politics and military and police and all the rest of that. And uh, they're Christians. 
And the question is, can they be persuaded as well that this is the way, uh, you know, not just is good brain science, but is this good Christianity? Because, you know, these are people that are not going to fall for something that, you know, just because it's a great sounding idea, yeah. unless it was deeply Christian. Uh, and so it was a very fascinating writing process. I've, uh, the publishers were having a little trouble with it because they're used to people coming in who got have their field and the topic down when they start the book it's wow. like okay you're the experts so just tell us the rest of us what you already know so wow. writing a book when we don't know it yet <laughs> well philip yancey <laughs> says that he, that's the way he writes all his books he picks a topic he doesn't know so that he can mm. grow during the writing of the book so he's gotten away with it all these years <laughs> mm -hmm. so you guys are yeah <laughs> yeah no well philip is the uh number one christian writer for that reason uh but <laughs> publishers right. get nervous about that you know <laughs> So I, I do want to say one more thing just overall about the book um, that just ministers to my heart as I have been reading it. And, and that is when 2020 broke out in all of its tragedy in mm. every way, right? The pan, you, and you listed it all in the book, the pandemic, the LGBTQ mm. stuff, uh, Black Lives Matter, you know, everything was just unraveling and becoming polarized at levels we have not seen in a long time. Uh -huh. Not that, not that it's never happened, but levels right. that we, I haven't seen in my lifetime. Um, it was, um, it was very traumatizing for many of us to see how, um, some Christians were responding. Um, mm -hmm. and I remember sitting on my porch with my husband going, if only policemen knew, um, thrive, you know, or, or, or mm -hmm. what life model works teaches about, um, how to keep the you know relationship bigger than problems and how to quiet your brain when you're in enemy mode, you know, like we mm -hmm. were just talking about how, wow, if, if more police academies could train their policemen in these things, if more schools could train their teachers and their students, if more, right. If the military, yeah. what, what a difference this would make in our world. And, um, and we were just begging God to somehow make connections. So that these people would listen or would hear or would learn about what you have been researching and studying. And so this if book, Christianity when I, worked that that's what we should be. Yes, we would world. be doing that. And so, you know, as opposed to what was happening in 2020 with Christians, which made mm -hmm. my heart just want to grieve the whole year. So, and continue mm -hmm. grieving, but, um, when, so when I got this and read the first chapter, I just had to stop and, and, and I was too excited and I had to celebrate and just cry and thank God for, um, this work that you both, um, have been doing on. I mean, I, I know well, everyone who like identifies with this movement mm -hmm. would, would probably say, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you were praying and we were writing and we didn't know about each other at the time, but God did. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's beautiful how he does that. So thank you um, for mm -hmm. that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Joyfield and Jesus Led. Are you ready to learn how to escape enemy mode and love those who think differently than you? Are you done being known as a hateful people and ready to be the people who Jesus said, they will know you are Christians by your love? By escaping enemy mode today and begin understanding God's call for his body to love instead of hate. It doesn't make us a weaker people. It makes us stronger. The link is in the show notes below. And join us next week for part two of Dr. Wilder's interview.